Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It, a podcast created by The Fuse, an outreach initiative within the College of Applied Studies and recorded here on campus at the Elliott School of Communication here at Wichita State University. I'm Bobby Berry. And I'm Jessica Newman. So today we're going to be talking about media, both traditional media as well as new and social media um, outlets. So we're going to discuss the differences between the two um, and then also how do we as citizens influence media and then conversely and also very importantly how does it influence us. So joining us today we have Grant DeMars, a multimedia journalist at KWCH and Sean Marty, a sports editor for The Sunflower. Welcome both Grant and Sean to the table. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you guys being here today. So let's let's kick it off um, and talking about yourselves. <laughs> um, I want to get to know you guys a little bit better. So uh, Grant, can you give me just a little background on where are you from? What is your academic background and kind of how did you get to KWCH? Yeah, well, I am born and raised here in Kansas. I grew up in Salina, so just about an hour north. Uh, I started with journalism in high school for my high school newspaper. And then I won a state news writing competition and was like, wow this is something I could do as a career. So I went to KU majoring in uh, journalism, specifically news and information, but I never really had a desire to go into broadcast news. Uh, That's something that developed during my freshman year. And then once I, you know, worked the teleprompter for a campus news station, I knew that, you know, being on the desk or being out in the field is something I wanted to do. So uh, got a degree in journalism from KU. In the meantime, I had internships at a small cable news station in Lawrence, uh, one down in Oklahoma City, and then one at CBS News in New York. Uh, So those definitely uh, helped get me this job at KWCA right out of college and really helped prepare me for uh, being a reporter. Wow. I didn't know that about him. Um, And and Sean, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, What's your name? Uh, Your name is Sean, so we don't need to cover (laughs) that. Uh, But what's your major? Where are you from? And what is your current classification? So freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, that type of thing. Yeah, so I'm a junior. Uh, My major is communications with a journalism emphasis. And I also have a minor in sport management. But Mm -hmm. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. So, yeah. and Sean, um, I, well, I know you because I've had you in class before as a, as a sport management uh, uh, minor that you are. So um, it's really cool. I, I didn't even know that you worked for the Sunflower and today, I, I, not today, but a few weeks ago. Um, I was reading an article and I was like, oh, that name sounds really familiar. I was like, oh, that's Sean. I was like, so perfect. I was like, so, so I reached out to him directly to have him on. Um, I thought it was, a, it was a nice pairing. Yeah. So great, great for you guys to be here. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. And so um, most of our listeners probably know this, but just in case, the Sunflower is our student newspaper here at WSU um, and then KWCH is um, our, one of our main traditional broadcast news outlets uh, in the Wichita area as well. So um, Sean, what what drew you originally to wanting to work for the Sunflower um, and can you just tell us kind of what a sports editor does? Yeah, totally. Um, I guess when I first came here as a freshman, I well in high school I really didn't do a ton of writing but I knew, like, when I came here, I knew a student newspaper would do a lot just, like, for the experience-wise and just learning how to write and stuff like that, which has helped me so much over, like, the past three years. And as, like, sports editor now, I just pretty much run the sports section. I, like, help kind of train younger writers as well. And right now I also, like, design the sports pages for the newspaper that comes out every Monday. Excellent. 
What is, what is that time commitment like for you, Sean? It's a great question. It's a, right now. It's a lot. <laughs> well, first semester, the like sports staff was pretty much just me, so I was like writing everything. So I mean, it's a lot. Like last weekend, I was covering like baseball every every single game because I was shooting photos also. So it's a lot, just production-wise and other stuff like that. Wow, <laughs> sounds like a lot. I always wondered, I was just like, it seems like, you know, the Sunflower produces content very consistently and very, very yeah. regularly. So I was wondering as a student, what does that, how, do, how does that impact you and your grades and everything else that you guys have going on? So um, thank you for that insight. Um, and Grant, what about you? What made you specifically, I know you talked about your, your experiences with different types of internships and working at other um, news outlets, but uh, what made you specifically say, this is a career I can see myself in. And what does this look like for you going forward? Because you're pretty young. Um, so kind of then what's your trajectory as far as where do you want to go from there? Yeah, so I think that I realized my freshman year of college that I just love to tell a good story. Mm. And the great thing about television is that we have our words. We also have sound. We have, you know, natural sound from... Uh, whatever story we're working on and we have video too and it combines all of that and as a multimedia journalist a lot of people don't know that we shoot write, and edit all of our own video mm -hmm. uh, the only time we're not the ones behind the camera is when we are live if it's pre-recorded I shot it myself I you know set a light kit up focused it stepped in front of the camera and moved the light kit and then I talked um, so a lot of people don't realize that but that's my favorite thing about the job is I get, you know, kind of complete control over this package I'm making as far as what video I want, where I want it, and all that stuff. And so moving forward, I want to keep doing that. Uh, my goals have changed a little bit. I think when I started off, the goal is I want to be a correspondent for a network, but I just realized how much I love to MMJ. And so I would love to have a job in a big market where I have, you know, long deadlines to put together, whoops, long deadlines to put together some really interesting human interest in feature stories because I just love to tell a good story. So uh, that that's interesting to me. I didn't know that you guys did all of that. <laughs> yeah, a lot Jess, of people yeah. don't. You knew that, Jess? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, that's just yeah. your background. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's it's definitely something that's changed significantly in the industry. You know, it like definitely it used has. to be an anchor was an anchor, and you always saw a team of a reporter and a videographer. Mm -hmm. But that's something that we, I mean, I teach those types of classes here, and uh, that's what we have to let people know is like, you're not just going to be an on-camera person, or you're not just going to be, you know, you have to do all of it, the editing, mm -hmm. the shooting, yeah. This happened to me on Wednesday, I think. Get out of a press conference at 3.30, your story's at four. So oh. you send back 30 seconds of video and a quick little 15 second soundbite and then you're live and you are oh, wow. talking about what's going on. When it's pre-recorded or back in the old days when they had film and they would have to cut the film and all mm -hmm. that stuff, it takes a lot longer. So it's really, uh, the way we can get information out now is a lot faster. And then we have social media too, Facebook Live, all that stuff we can report within seconds. Yeah, because you're doing all of that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, social, yes. traditional, all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Um, so 
high tolerance of, of stress, I'm assuming, because I'm assuming <laughs> that there's just some times where it's just like, how am I going to get this done in time? Yeah. And depending on um, things changing. So if it's a breaking news story and just kind of that, that, that pressure, um, would you say it's a high stress type of job? I, I would. You know, it is a completely deadline-driven job. We have our shows at 4, 5, and 6 during the days and 9 and 10 at night. And so we are working all day with that deadline in the back of our heads, knowing that, you know, we have to have this done and turned in by a certain time. Uh, and then it, when the breaking news stuff happens, I mean, there are times we show up on a scene, we immediately put up a live shot and they'll pitch to you out in the field. and you may not have any information from, you know, police or whoever uh, is working the scene, but you just have to say, like, I'm seeing this. We're still waiting on information just to let people know what we're doing to gather for them. And so with that being said, um, what does an average day look like for you? So you there is an average. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So typically uh, it depends on if I'm working, you know, day side or for our later shows so if i'm working like day side we'll have our editorial meeting at 9 30. i'll have a few story ideas in my back pocket uh that i'll pitch uh that meeting takes about 30 minutes and then i will have my assigned story for the day and i just immediately start making calls sending emails uh to people i think i should interview for that story um it kind of depends on the story i mean some stories i might go out and shoot video before I do the interview, but uh, so my whole day is gather, gather, gather uh, sound, gather video, and then probably it depends on what my deadline is. Around two o'clock is when I like to start sitting down, writing, editing. A lot of the time it's in my car because I'll be out somewhere doing a story and it's another 30 minutes to go to the station dump all my video edit and then 30 minutes to drive back for my live shots it's easier to just stay there and do it in my car so i'll write my story uh get script approval on that and then i immediately you know voice voice it and start editing everything together and then i i usually have a live shot um at five or six if i'm working nights nine or ten and then the day is over uh sometimes we have to do our own web scripts and stuff like that, but we have a web team that's really on top of it. So a lot of the time the story will be ready to go by the time it airs. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. So so Sean, let's move over to you a little bit. So Grant just kind of gave us sort of a an interesting look into the world of journalism and it's definitely a um, a world that if you're not a part of it, like Bobby, Bobby's sitting over here, like wide-eyed. Yeah, watching. like I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, so you know, your time with um, the Sunflower is obviously different than than Grant. But I'm curious to know what types of maybe skills have you learned, or, or how do you feel like you've grown through being the sports editor and or just a reporter for the Sunflower? Yeah, I'd say like I've grown a ton because I know the main skills I've just like grown is just like my writing. And just because, like, you had to learn, like, AP style and stuff like that, which I, like, right. didn't know at all when I was coming out of high school. So that's been a huge, like, development, I would say. And then just, like, other, like, like just obviously, like, now this year, leadership tasks and stuff like that. And now I've also, like, learned how to take photos and, like, design pages. And just also I've been, like, kind of learning graphics. So just there's just been a bunch of different stuff that I've learned since joining the paper, I would say. 
Well, that, that's a, a great testament to the sunflower accurately representing like real life in the real world because you're sitting here telling us the same thing that Grant did about you're learning to do a little bit of everything, um, yeah. more in the, the print side of layout and design and editing and writing. Um, but yeah, it sounds like you'll be very prepared <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to enter the journalism world should you choose to do so. Uh, so kind of a fun question for both of you. Um, and I'll let whoever thinks of an idea first start. But my question is, what's one of the biggest or most impactful or coolest stories that you have had the opportunity to cover? I'm going to say one. This probably isn't the biggest story I've ever covered, but it's one where the impact was very obvious, and that's why I love it so much. Actually, just down the road here on Hillside, there is an abandoned chicken restaurant called Wichita Chicken. I'm not sure if you've driven past and mm -hmm. seen it. It mm -hmm. is burnt to a crisp, yes. and there, a few months ago, was just trash everywhere surrounding the building piling up everywhere and the pastor of a church across the street from it reached out to us and he's like we have been begging the city to come clean this up for weeks months no luck and so i think there's a story there so i go out there i interview him uh, we reach out to the city and then we find out that day that they have a crew coming out the next day to clean everything up. They put a fence around it just to c keep this neighborhood, you know, a little bit cleaner. And so that's one of the stories where you can really see the impacts of local journalism in these communities because no one wants trash in their community. Um, so that was one where it was really rewarding mm -hmm. afterwards. And when they were thanking us for, you know, lighting a fire under the city to uh, do something about that problem. Hmm. That's great. That's a cool, um, like, at the very, very top of, of the show, I, in the intro, we said something like, you know, how citizens influence the media and then media influences citizens. And I feel like that was a perfect example of the citizen influence exactly. you to and cover it. One thing that I hear from, you know, my mentors and things like that is we want to tell people stories. So I think we get in this groove of talking to the officials, you know, talking to police, talking to county commissioners, but who does that impact? And we have to ask ourselves that every day. Who does this impact and how does this impact them? And so, uh, yeah, people, people stories. You are a storyteller. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what about you? Got any uh, big moments? Um, I guess like one of the favorite stories I've written more recently, um, there is a, so there's a hammer thrower on the track team. I've, Michael Bryan's his name. Um, he came here out of Hutch, Hutchinson Community College his sophomore year, and then he, he was on the. He came here as a walk-on his uh, junior year, I believe, and redshirted. And then that following off-season, I interviewed the assistant coach, and he told me that he was cut from the roster, and he didn't even know. And then. He, but they somehow found another roster spot for him the following year. And this year, he's broken the school record in the hammer throw three straight times. Whoa. And so, yeah, that was just a really cool story that just kind of came out of nowhere. Wow. But, yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, talking about the stories that you do, and even Bobby was saying that he didn't even know that you, like, wrote for the Sunflower and then saw your byline and everything, that leads me kind of to this next question of being a journalist 
your work is in the public every day. That's the entire point, right? To be appreciated, engaged with, scrutinized, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it makes you kind of a public figure of sorts. And so my question is for both of you, but um, I think let's start over here with you, Grant, is, is what is that like, first of all? And also, how do you balance, you know, Newsacre grant and then grant that goes home. Like, what's the difference there? How do you balance all that? Yeah, so you definitely always just have to have in the back of your mind that a viewer could be watching. Whether you're at the grocery store, you're out at a bar with friends, uh, that just has to be in the back of your mind because we do represent, you know, a company and it is a very public job. I mean, we are on television every day. Right. Uh, so that's one thing and then also just you know social media is another thing some you know news anchors love to share about their personal lives um, others are a little more private that's kind of what I fall into I do have you know my professional Facebook and Twitter pages but I think the most personal I get on those is pictures of my dog um, <laughs> so it's just you know finding that right balance and um, you know only sharing what you're comfortable with you know, thousands of other people knowing. Right. Right. And, and a similar question for you, Sean. Um, how does it feel to know that so many people, you know, they read your stories all the time, right? And so, you know, similar to, to the question that we asked Grant, what is that experience like for you being a student, but then being an editor on a campus where people read this major <laughs> uh, publication? And then how do you how do you juggle? And do you feel like sometimes there's a level of expectation? Like, so when you turn in a paper, <laughs> I, I'm assuming you're, it, it needs to be good, right? And so what is that like for you? Yeah, I guess like for like the first couple years, I like I don't know why, but I just felt like there wasn't that many people reading my stuff. But then, like, definitely, like, this year, I've seen that, like, go up a lot. Um, but I feel like there is, like, kind of what Grant talked about, just, like, social media-wise, there is, like, an expectation that you represent the paper. And I know for me, I keep mine as professional as possible, and I, it's pretty much just sports-related. But I think it's just, like, trying to represent the paper as best as, best as you can, knowing, like, how important it is to keep a professional reputation even though you are a student. So yeah. And that that's really interesting because even like for me personally when I first started teaching here at Wichita State that was a weird thing for me cuz um, going from being a student and then being a faculty member I was like, oh, you know, I can just do my normal stuff. And then there was one time I went out to a bar and I had my, one of my students was there. And was like, hey, let's take a shot together. And I was like, oh, now this is weird. So from that point on, I was like, I can't go out anymore. Like, I just can't because, I mean, my students are so young. I was like, it just, it's inevitable. I'm going to bump into them if I'm in a club or something, right? And so that was kind of a weird, weird turning point for me. So I made sure, like, from there on out, like, my Facebook stuff is strictly work. You know, like, my Instagram page is private. But it's really odd because you always feel like you're being watched, right? Anytime mm -hmm. you're out, you know, is it weird? Do you say hi to your professor? Do you not? Like that weird, awkward, right. do I acknowledge that I know this kid? He's a student. Of my, like, it's just weird. Um, <laughs> so I can only imagine even on your guys' level, that's magnified even more sometimes. Um, so as we kind of round out our conversation, one of the things that I wanted to at least um, touch on, and Grant, you had kind of already um, talked about, you know, how your future career goals is to, you know, work for a major network in a major city and kind of some of those things. Um, but I'm going to ask you to even project that even further. Um, so within the media, um, things change all the time. 
So mm-hmm. when we talk about maybe 10 years from now, because you're both very, you're both young, mm-hmm. uh, it's 10, 15, 20 years from now, where do you hopefully want to be in this, this career of media? That's a tough question. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where broadcast or television news ends up in the next Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 years. I don't know many people my own age that watch local news on television, but I think that we're starting to see you know, the direction it could go. We have a Roku channel. That's how I watch our newscast because I don't have cable. Hmm. Uh, That or live streaming on our app. And I think social media is going to be big too. I think uh, some news stations already do this. I think we've done it before, but it's not something we regularly do is streaming our entire newscast on Facebook Live. Mm. Uh, One of our sister stations down in Oklahoma City, their CBS affiliate, they do that every single day. And I think that is, you know, possibly something we're going to see more in the future. Um, As far as what I want to be doing in 10 to 15 years, I really think that um, probably I see myself in, you know, a large TV market, uh, hopefully uh, getting to do more of the human interest feature stories than your day-to-day news, you know, hard news and crime, things like that. Uh, they're part of the job, but I get the most satisfaction from telling someone's story. And there are so many stories out there to tell right. that, uh, and I, I just, you know, love seeing uh, people's reactions to those. I mean, when I see our web story posted on Facebook of a really great feature story, and I see all the hearts and the emoji of like, the person hugging the heart like that just makes me so happy <laughs> the care one i think is yeah I, 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 I don't know I, n- I don't use those i just use the like <laughs> i think they called that one the. Care i think i've one. used the heart one time but and what about you sean where, where do you ultimately uh, hopefully in the next you know five to ten years see yourself yeah i'm a little i guess kind of for i would love to be a sports reporter for a newspaper like covering like a professional team um, but I also could see myself like kind of going on the other side of things and doing like PR or media relations for like a sports team. But I definitely kind of what Grant was talking about with broadcast, I definitely see like print journalism changing a lot because I mean, less people are picking up newspapers right. now and yeah. stuff. So I feel like it's definitely going to be more of like an online driven business, which I feel like that helps like being part of the younger generation and helping to broadcast to that kind of side of things. It's really amazing to me how we've seen so much how social media has ultimately dictated of the way in which we consume our information and we had you know I'm um, Dr. Jarman on earlier and we were just talking about this whole this 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 mindset of how um, the way in which we consume news and any type of story has changed so quickly um, and how you can just digest it so quickly right and so um, keeping definitely us on our toes and you guys as people who are part of the industry Mm -hmm. on your toes and adapting um, to to those things as they change. Um, So we just want to extend a thank you to our guests coming. uh, um, And I guess we want to see if you guys have any other uh, resources that would like to be shared. So if we want to find out more about you guys or the work that you do or where we can engage with your work, Mm -hmm. um, where would you direct us? Yeah. So my Facebook page is Grant J. DeMars. No, I lied. It is K-W-C-H Grant D. I 
that was what it was before now that's what it is now um I, on facebook i mostly just post my uh stories uh that i've done not usually every day usually just the ones i really uh think were special and then my twitter is also kwch grant d i actually just got verified last week Woo! which is cool got that blue check mark <laughs> but that is where i post more like breaking news updates you know when i'm on the scene of something um i also share a lot of pictures of my dog on there um <laughs> but yeah that i'm television news i feel is very active on twitter mm -hmm. that's yeah. a really great resource for us uh so that's where i'm more active all right and what about you sean yeah i would just say probably twitter's the best place um i believe it's at the sean marty um and and then also just follow i guess like the sunflower.com for the most part Cool. And Sunflower is doing some great work, uh, yeah. especially I think the the amount of notoriety and the uh, the influence that you guys have had over the last probably year and a half, two years, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit yeah. more, has just really skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. So uh, well done to your you and you guys over there. And I do have one tiny follow up question because I was just thinking about this as you both the resources that you both gave us were social sites, right? <laughs> yes. Um, which just I can't l let you guys out of the room without asking this question of. You know, we've Bobby and I have said this a few times, maybe because we're getting older now, but we've said several times, you guys are young, both of you are young, <laughs> which you are, but still you you have seen and are still seeing this this weird growth from traditional media where only people who were told they could report on something are allowed to report on something. You know what I mean? Only people who mm -hmm. have degrees, only people who have, you know, been trained. Um, and now everyone can, right? Yes. Um, and everyone does. And so my question for you guys uh, is sort of twofold. Obviously, social is the current and future of your industries. Um, but also, what does that look like for you both as trained journalists to also have all of the engagement and feedback and content online that is are from untrained people? Does that make your job harder? What is what's the balance there that everyone's a journalist? Yeah, well, I mean, that's something that I specifically remember one of my college professors saying. He says everyone is a reporter because everyone has a phone and everyone has right. a camera. And I think that, you know, we have people that will send us, like email us a picture or video of a situation or they'll email us this is going on in this town. Um, so we get a lot of tips that way, but social media has been another way to find, you know, these primary sources. Um, you know, someone sees something happening, they take a video, you know, we eventually see or get sent the video, we know who to reach out to, we know mm -hmm. who saw it. Um, and, you know, once we get their permission, we can use that video on air because we can't be everywhere at, at the drop of a hat. Um, right. So it's, I think it's been pretty beneficial and it's helped us, you know, like I said, find these primary sources, have video or pictures from a situation or a scene, um, you know, without actually being out there at that time. So yeah, it sounds like you leverage that really well, that community. Mm -hmm, definitely. What about you, Sean? I'm curious, like, you know, when you, one of your stories gets posted and you read through all the comments, you know, the people put on it. What's what's that like having immediate and direct feedback from everyone? 
Yeah, it's definitely, like, interesting just to have that feedback. I know, like, it kind of goes both ways, like, both positive right. and negative, because I know when I was covering, like, the whole Greg Marshall kind of investigation, I was getting, like, I was just posting, like, the facts, and there was still, like, kind of people were getting mad at me, and I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But, <laughs> yeah, but like, I just feel like, I mean, people kind of just say what they have on their mind, and it, it it's kind of is what it is. It's either positive or negative kind of thing. You just kind of grow to appreciate it when you can and ignore it when you can't. Yeah. And get some tough skin exactly. in the process. And going <laughs> yeah. off of that, too, um, I think it's actually helpful, you know, when I get an email, you know, questioning or, you know, even criticizing my story. Because sometimes you forget when you do this every day that thousands of people watch and thousands right. of people are consuming what you're putting out there. So it's kind of a good reminder for that. And also it kind of breaks down the barrier between you and the viewer and allows me to be like, hey, this is where I got this information from, or this is who told me that information. That's a very credible source, uh, things like that. So I think it can help uh, establish and build your credibility uh, to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations with your viewers. That's great. Awesome. That's, yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys for, for coming. I think you both have shed some light for us on um, what the industry looks like from the inside and maybe um, the journey that it's taken you on so far. So um, we appreciate you guys being with us today um, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thank you for having me. This was interesting. I'm usually the one asking the questions. <laughs> right. So it's fun to be on the other side of it. There you go. We, we flipped it for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. Up next, we have Dr. Jeffrey Jarman. He is the director of the Elliott School of Communication. So we're going to jump right into it. And uh, Jeff, if you could tell the folks how long you've been at Wichita State and exactly what your role consists of. Sure, absolutely. I'm, I'm wrapping up my 25th year Ooh, at, at Wichita wow. State yeah it's wow. great and and it's it's really it's been great for me for a lot of reasons I grew up in Wichita we moved here when I was a kid so I'm a Wichita Public Schools graduate uh, lived here all most of my life um, 25 years here I came here originally as the debate coach it was my passion <laughs> it's what I did all the time I think you know felt like 24 hours a day it was probably only about 20 hours a day um, I did that for really um, as the, the most, uh, the, the thing I did mo with most of my time, probably for 15 of those years. Uh, I then was the associate director of the School of Communication for about eight years and have been uh, the director of the School of Communication for the last four years. Nice, nice. Yeah. We have some great uh, old faculty pictures I'll have to find for you, did Jeff, he, back in the day. Did he have the bow ties on then too? I'm trying to remember when you started wearing bow ties. <laughs> I've been wearing bow ties a long time, <laughs> although I think there is a video of me in one of the very old promos with uh, a long, what I like to call long tie. I had, I had, I had long, one or two long ties, but I almost always wore bow ties. I'm wow. sure you have a pretty nice collection at this point. I in have quite a few. In fact, to uh, I was gifted a, a bow tie of the month for the last year as well, and that has been amazing. <laughs> I've gotten some really great ties, and it's it's done wonders for my collection. So, give us an estimate. If you had to guess how many you have, what are you at right now? Um. I don't know, probably somewhere between three and four dozen. <laughs> Hundreds, that's what I thought. I was like, no, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Goodness no, gracious. I have that many shoes, but not that many times. Yeah, I was like, I thought he's going to rival me because, you know, I'm a shoe guy. I love shoes, but you know, oh we'll, we'll get goodness. there later. Okay, so 
you've been here for 25 years, almost a full 25 years. So let's think about just like say the last decade, last 10 years or so. What do you think has been the biggest change or some of the most integral changes in how the public generally engages with media content? Yeah, you know, the, it's, the, the pace of change is, is crazy. You know, it's really probably only been 15 years, right, since we've right. had the, the iPhone. And, and so when you think about the last 10 years, it's, it's amazing the way people can produce information now and just the, the variety of places people can go to consume information. Um, that, you know, the reach of, of popular culture, the influence of, of news and politics in that popular culture, the pace with which it can be created and then, you know, immediately consumed, mm -hmm. the way citizens are empowered to, to record information, uh, you know, uh, tragic, humorous, newsworthy, ridiculous. I mean, just the, the, <laughs> the, um, the volume of things that we have available to us literally at our fingertips yeah. now is just, it's staggering. It's hard to quantify. And one of the things that you had, had just had stated was the way in which this, that we as a culture now even interact and engage with politics, right? So I know you have a little bit of a background, dibbled and dabbled a little bit of politics <laughs> based like off that. of the bio that I saw. Um, and so what do you make of how politicians are engaging now um, differently? It, I, it appears to me that they're trying to humanize themselves a little bit more by engaging on different social media trends. What do you make of yeah, that? Yeah, well, that's, you're generous for those, uh, for, for, you know, for some of them, we would say they're humanizing themselves, you know, but it's, it, it, it is a very effective means for politicians to engage, I think probably a narrow slice of their individual constituencies, but an incredibly powerful way for them to do that because, you know, I, it, and here I'll give you, I've dabbled in politics. My, my <laughs> politics goes back a very long way, including when I was in high school, I worked uh, at the member of Congress's office here in town. And I remember, I mean, mostly my job was to stuff envelopes, you know, lick them and seal them. And, and those were letters to constituents because people would write in and they would say they have a problem with this agency or, or have this other problem with the government. And, and there are people in the, you know, they're liaisons who help you with all of your problems. And so we would help get them essentially linked up. But now really politicians have the ability to intentionally create messages for very particular audiences. And sometimes it's designed to humanize them, but uh, you know, also it's, it's designed to keep them energized, to keep them engaged, and frankly, to keep them, you know, depending on I guess maybe depending on whether you're in the majority or the minority or, or what your strategy is, but to keep your supporters angry at the other side, yeah. because right. I think these days that's what politics is really all about. We have to, we motivate people to keep them engaged by reminding them of how much we hate the other side. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so sometimes politicians will put out messages where they are, you know, you know, let's say they go to a rally and, and they're there with supporters who are also their constituents. That's partly designed to humanize them because it's, you know, it's them saying, uh, you know, I'm with you, I stand with you, I believe with what's going on. And, um, but also other times they're just retweeting, you know, the, the idiocy that's out there yeah. and, and they could be sharing things that we know are fundamentally false anyway. And, but, but they're doing that because they perceive a benefit for them, right? And that's the trouble with 
with the, 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 the benefit of the massive amount of information we have right now is that you can get whatever information you, you want. The downside right. is you might stumble across a whole bunch of just terrible stuff along the way right. and not be able to decide which is beneficial from what's terrible. And you might end up believing the the terrible stuff. Absolutely. That confirmation bias kind of kicks in. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And and that's the other part, uh, you know, politicians know, I mean, we, we, most people don't follow, you mean, think about the way social media works. Most people don't follow people who they disagree with, but I genuinely, you know, I genuinely want to know what the other side has to say. They're not just out there, you know, following every member of Congress to figure out what, right. you know, <laughs> what's going on in Congress today. They're following the, the, the few who they actively like. I think, what is it? It's probably reasonable to think everybody's gone through their Facebook list or Twitter or, you know, Instagram or, or I suppose TikTok, all the followers out there today. You know what I mean? They're, they're, but but people, you know, at first you you want to follow and get followed by everybody you can. But pretty soon you're like, I do not want to read what you've put up there. Mm-hmm. And so, and and so the problem is we have all this information, but we're really only consuming a very narrow slice of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would Would you argue and cor- correct me if I'm wrong here, timeline wise? I feel I remember learning in college about the Obama's first campaign was probably like the first political, big political campaign that used social media in any sort of a effective and large scale way. Is that accurate? Well, I, I, he was very effective at using all forms of new media and new technology. Some yeah, of it powerful forms of social media, a lot of it a micro-targeting, um, and frankly, a, you know, a lot of it even cell-based. I mean, they they had a, a massive database of phone numbers so they could text people. You know, they built they built all of that information as uh, to to use. I mean, they were not. To, I don't know if this is your question or not, but one of the really cool things they did is you could sign up to volunteer to call people around the country. I mean, so phone calls are like the most effective way to get people to, to support you. And, and it's the most effective way to get out the vote, which anymore is the key to winning an election. Right. Right. Th- they created a platform where you could sign up, say when you were available to call, and they would plug you into the community where they most needed you to call. So you might be calling people in Virginia or North Carolina or Colorado or New Mexico in order to help get out the vote because it doesn't matter that you are from Kansas. Just talking to somebody who was like you, who believed in the same things you believed in, was more likely to get you out to vote. And um, and so they, I mean, in my mind, kind of pa- pioneered all of those technologies and new media in in ways that are the most effective of them as well. I mean, we all throw away the campaign mailers right. if they come to our, <laughs> yeah. to our mailboxes. Um, but, but phone calls, you know, I, today, you know, I get it. We all ignore a number we don't know. Mm-hmm. But when you hear the message and you're like, hi, this is Jeff Jarman. I'm calling for candidate, you know, whatever. And I want to remind you to get out to vote. This is an important election. All of a sudden that message resonates with you. And so... Yeah, I mean, they, they pioneered a lot. So go back. I think your question yeah. was, was Obama. Uh, you know, they have a good campaign in social media. They did. And now anymore, the way analytics work, you know, the websites you go to, all of these companies, these major companies know a lot about all of us based on the websites that we go to. 
and they can make increasingly granular decisions about each of us. And then the ad that pops, the Google ad that pops up for you is gonna be different than what pops up for me. It's gonna be different than the one that pops up for Bobby. But it might all be from the same candidate, but with slightly different messages because they figured out a little bit different things about us. Yeah. And so that's how they frame those messages. It's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting seeing, I mean, I guess the reason I kind of added that question in was thinking about that's been, you know, more than 10 years ago, but not that long ago. And the scene like arguably a really effective use of new and social media. And then we've all seen not effective uses of new and social media in politics and comparing and contrasting those is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, here I'll, I'll, pu I'll put you all on the spot that you said ineffective forms of social social media campaigning who do you think's ineffective i mean i i feel like i know where you're going with this right because probably because probably i'm about to say they were really effective yeah, we all know <laughs> more more, Trump more votes yeah. than any other person ever running right. for president except one and part of that obviously the population is larger so you're inevitably right. going to get more people right. each time we vote but 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 not ineffective in fact That's probably true. i'd argue if he had a tiny bit more strategy could have right. made a made a difference yeah. i mean because but that's but that goes back to it's not really it, it's 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 more complicated than just did you use twitter or not right <laughs> and do right. you do you randomly capitalize words or not and right. do you right those <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> uh that that there is something about making sure your message gets to the people who need to hear it. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. there are a lot of actual people and not just Russian bots on Twitter. Right. Yeah. So that, that leads me into the next question actually r really well because, you know, what I, again, mistakenly called ineffective is really incredibly effective because of what you said earlier that right now politics seems to be who can hate the other side more. And so that kind of vitriol tends to work really well. So my question for you is the buzzword that quite honestly, I'm tired of buzzwords and especially this mm -hmm. one, but cancel culture. Okay. So I want to know what you think about that. Is it um, helpful to society? Is it hurtful? Just go off on cancel culture. What do you think? <laughs> uh, I want to cancel, cancel culture. Uh, <laughs> I know, I, you know, I, um, gosh, I don't, I, I don't really know where to begin yeah. uh, i i i get all sides of this i was actually I was talking to my daughter uh, yesterday about doing this and some of the topics that came up and and she holds pretty strong opinions about some things and so i was pushing back trying uh, you know i had to give her a little bit of trouble about this <laughs> um and she was really frustrated with with me because she's like there are just some points of view out there that are that are gross and should be debunked and we shouldn't give them a platform and I was trying to tell her that I kind of live in, I live in a different world where, where righteous and gross talk all get to happen. Right. Be, because we need, I mean, to me, we both need to know that there is gross in the world so that we can be reminded about the things we don't want to agree with. But also, you know, I just, I hope for a society where the best ideas win out in the end. The, the hard part about that is it takes time, you know, for the best idea to kind of beat out in an argumentative fight the, the bad ideas. Uh, and that, so that leaves us in a, in a tough spot having to tolerate some things that, that we 
probably don't want to tolerate. Um, but, but at the end of the day, the alternative, and this is the thing I was kind of pushing with her, is that really all these things are really our moral points of view. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and it's not to say that, I mean, I, I have my value system and I know it's different from other people's value systems, but it's difficult to, to go around picking and choosing who gets to talk right. yeah. and who doesn't get to talk. Right. Instead, I'd rather we all just got to talk and then if you think something is repugnant, we'll point our finger at it and say so. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that I've answered your question about cancel culture as much as the hard part about living in a free society is that we have some terrible people who live here and they believe some terrible things. Mm -hmm. uh, and But I, to me, at the end of the day, the, it's worse to start picking and choosing who's going to get a platform because we might find ourselves on the wrong end of that platform choice one day. Yeah. Um, now that's totally different, you know, I so I back up. That's just Jeff world, you know what I mean? Should should people have a platform, you know, should people get to have free speech? That's different obviously than whether every person has a right to speak in every venue because clearly they True. do they do not and maybe should not. Um, and that's that's the challenge I think we all face. Where we're at, what we want, what we want our individual platforms to allow to facilitate. You know, she was talking about why does the news give some people who have kind of gross opinions the right to get on TV and say their gross opinion? I was like, because because otherwise. The news is all news might start picking and choosing what points of view they're going to let any right. of the rest of us know about. Mm -hmm. And that seems worse than right. letting somebody, you know what I mean? Let, uh, flat earthers, hope, I hope I'm not offending too many in the audience <laughs> We have today. a lot of those. Yeah, I mean, the, the flat earthers, you know what I mean? I, 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 you know, if I think the evidence is, is better for the earth is round than the earth is flat. But I, I probably don't, I don't want to just eliminate their voice that seems worse yeah i think one of the interesting things about this whole notion of cancel culture what it what it has enabled us to do is folks who have been who they are for their lives now have a a, a way of expressing their feelings and in a very uh, loud fashion mm -hmm. um, and I think what it has allowed us to do as society is to have conversations that we were normally having privately and a lot of these people are having conversations publicly great point and, and and I think that has been one of the benefits of social media that's one of the benefits but I think on the flip side what it has also allowed us to do is to not hear people right and to be able to have these 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 intimate conversations of trying to understand people. I think we've gotten to the point where we no longer are genuinely trying to understand people. We're taking a soundbite, we're taking a, a, a post, a picture, and what we've started to do is create narratives behind that without actually doing our due diligence. And I Absolutely. think that's one of the most harmful things about social media is that we have taken away the, the, the humanistic aspect of it to a degree. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so that has been one of the most fascinating things that I've noticed in the last you know, few years um, <laughs> pertaining to social media on my end, at least. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I agree with you. I think um, we it could be a great avenue yeah. to, to hear and listen to what other people yeah. have to say. But the problem is I, there are too many people out there who have figured out that 
they don't have to make messages for the point of view trying to understand their point right. of view right and that's the <laughs> yeah uh, better communicators with a better motive would help would help mm -hmm. the content of, right. of messages <laughs> across all platforms yeah. but but people don't always have that as their as their desired outcome we have plenty of people who who genuinely want to be heard and understood and listened to and then we have plenty of people who just want to spout hate and mm -hmm. uh, and the, the platform allows for both whatever the media is Interesting enough, and, and, and Jeff, your perspective on one of the things that you had mentioned earlier, uh, we're talking, we were talking about the way in which uh, social media is consumed. Do you see a generational gap specifically in the way in which we consume information? And, and I'm curious to see if social media has almost made that, that gap in that divider even greater. You know, in new school, old school. You know, traditional media versus new media. So, what kind of is your yeah, take on, I, on that? Well, I'm. You know, the the number of people watching regular TV newscasts is down. The number of people buying a newspaper yeah. is oh, yeah. is down. There's just no doubt about any of that. And I think. Well, I mean, no doubt this generational, right? The people who are still paying for newspapers to be <laughs> delivered to their door are considerably older than people who are consuming their media in other ways. I, I, I definitely think it's generational. And I think the other part of that generational gap that's really troubling has to do with the amount and quality of what is consumed. Social media, to me, really, I mean, the problem Sorry, I'm rambling. Think, let me back up. Right, the benefit of a website is you can put as much information in a web page as you want. And newspapers have a limited amount of space. Broadcast news has a limited amount of space. Right, there's only so many minutes in the show. There's only so many pages in a newspaper. But you could you could have an, a story of unlimited length on the web or archived. Right, in terms of the ability of for you know complete information, we have tons of that. But instead, what happens with, so, to me, what happens with social media, and, and I think just the way we learn to kind of flick through our feeds, mm -hmm. is that it encourages us to consume smaller and smaller bits of information about a story. The headline now is much more important than the content of yeah. the story. The, the teaser, if you get a couple of sentences, is much more valuable to you than, you know, than, um, than, the, than the whole story, because rarely do people click the whole thing and then read the whole read the thing. Whole thing yeah. <laughs> right? People just read the headlines. I hate to go back to my, the story of my daughter, but you know, we're arguing about this today. We were arguing yesterday about this interview. Um, <laughs> and she was like, well, what about, and she kept asking me, well, what about this and what about this? She, she apparently, ha she watches, um, a show where they read the news to her and then comment about it. She's like, is that okay? And I was like, well, why, why not just read it yourself? You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and a part of this is the, the, the terrible blurring between the lines of what is news and what is entertainment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, like, turn on a cable news show and tell me when you get to the news, because mm. yeah. we don't have that many news shows. We have infotainment. We have we have shows about the news, but not shows that provide the news. Right. And that's a, and I think social media is a part of that because the goal of of 
lots of even legitimate news organizations to drive traffic is not about the quality of the reporting, right. but the you know the 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 interest factor probably of, of an image or a headline and and that people just rarely I mean look I get it we're all busy it's hard to be knowledgeable about everything but anymore it seems like it's just easy to not be knowledgeable about anything because yeah. to speak yeah. to your point I mean before you used to have a have to have a journalism degree to be an anchor of some show and now right. it's like as long as you're a person that has an opinion that has a, a large following that people are know of you then you can technically be a journalist yeah well right and and uh, this is such an important point because the ethics surrounding journalism and the traditional production of mm-hmm. news follows standards where editors review material, make sure that the facts are verified, make sure it's balanced. I mean, a host of things that we have come to expect from from journalists. It's one of the reasons why advocacy or organizations becoming producers of news is so dangerous because they don't right. follow all of those same principles. I mean, the, you know, a couple of decades, 10, 20 years ago, we, we thought the idea of a citizen journalist was going to be great and some of those benefits have materialized. I mean, the ability of any citizen on the street to turn on their cell phone and record what's happening is a powerful form of information for us. But no matter how powerful any of those things are, we still probably want trained journalists to report the news for us so that, you know, even because even the raw footage of any event is always going to be incomplete because mm-hmm. they missed the scene that happened right before they turned right. it on. Right. And they and we miss whatever happens after it's turned off. Right. And and so that's the hard work of, of journal of journalists and journalism that, that's lost. And social media I think just encourages us to consume more kind of smaller bits instead of fewer, more thought out, well researched well-organized, well-supported news stories. Yeah. Absolutely. I love to imagine you having these conversations with your daughter. She's college-aged, right? No, she's. I, I can't answer that because I, I promised her anonymity <laughs> on today's show. <laughs> and, with two da- and with two daughters, it, oh, it's, it unclear, could could, oh. it's unclear which one it is. Either way, with you as a former debate coach and your wife as an attorney, like, these girls, uh, that is man, a dinner table can to you? Be at. Yeah, but they can probably <laughs> give it back to you. We've screwed them up pretty good. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's switch gears a tiny bit. My guess is you're going to find a way to not answer this because I know your humility, <laughs> but I'm going to try it anyways. We all know, Bobby and I know that you've had a lot of amazing accomplishments in your your time here. Um, so, if you had to pick one proudest professional moment, what would you pick, and yeah, why? Yeah, you know they're. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't. I, I wish I could have edited this question. <laughs> I, I, I know. I've, I've had a number. I, I I've had the the real honor to work with some great students uh, on the debate team over you know, like a 15, 20 year career, and and watching them get better is really rewarding. I mean, all of them. They they were all great to start with, and they all got better. And I, I've had some who've had tremendous success, and watching them have, you know, those individual moments for, of success was really rewarding. 
uh, frankly, even some of the worst kids on the team got, <laughs> I mean, you know, in some cases, the worst kid I've probably ever coached became pretty good at debate. And, and that's really, um, uh, that's pretty, that's exciting to see that happen as well. It, 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 coaching the debate team is, because you work so closely with the students, and you get to see their success right there at the tournaments week after week and over several years. Much different than working with students in a classroom where you maybe see their papers get a little bit better, but you don't right. get to have the real uh, interpersonal, you know, you know, we, we drive in van, we take van trips for 10 or 12 hours driving across <laughs> the country to get to know people. And, and then when they experience success, that's pretty, that's pretty cool to have watched. And then, you know, last year I got to serve as the president of the faculty senate and advocate for all the faculty across campus. I felt really honored by that opportunity as well, um, you know, and, and lots in between. <laughs> as a senator in that session, I will say I thought you were an excellent faculty yeah. senate president. <laughs> Likewise. Uh, and interesting, because um, you were just talking about, you know, being able to watch the success of your students, uh, specifically those that you worked with. Um, as they did debate. I'm curious on what do you think makes a good communicator? <laughs> yeah. Such a big question. Yeah, it. it is. It's so subjective, but I'm, I'm just gonna, interested. Yeah, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to put my, my keen political skills to work okay. here. here okay. um, you know, it depends on what your purpose is. Uh, communication, I mean, there are, there are moments when we need someone to stand up and be passionate and and motivate people and 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 we need a, and in that moment being a great communicator is being the person with the presence and the persona to, to bring people together uh, there are other times where you know the moment is challenging and and you have lots of opposition and you have to figure out an argument to really you know um, bring people together who are otherwise uh, sometimes really far apart or, or, or just far enough apart that you can't make a decision and figuring out how to, how to make an argument to bring people together. That's a, the, the strategy involved in that. And you don't maybe have to be the, you know, the most eloquent speaker that day. You just have to figure out what would motivate two sides and bring them together. And, and that could be the thing that, that, that that gets it done. I mean, the thing about communication is that it it is all audience and and context dependent. And in all, in meetings, there's a faculty member across campus who, whenever we're in meetings together, and somebody asks a question like this, they often joke like, "I'm I'm going to beat Jeff to the punch and ask, what's our purpose here? <laughs> Who's our audience? Because, but but at the end of the day, that really is it. We should do right. things where we know who we're talking to and what we want to accomplish, and then we need a message and a speaker that meets that particular need and that could be different. It likely is different in, in all different kinds of occasions. Hmm. So strategy, I would say, is kind of what you're getting at there. Yeah, well, uh, um, understanding the moment mm -hmm. is, uh, is, I think, a, a prerequisite to any skilled communicator. It may require a level of knowledge or a level of of presentational skill that a person doesn't have, but those things can actually be fixed. Right? You can become a better speaker, you practice right, at it. You right. can become more knowledgeable, you just read more, uh, not on social media. And, <laughs> and, but, 
but the, the hard part about being an effective communicator is being able to read an audience and, and understand a message and have a goal and figure out how to design something for that audience at that time that can get the, the best you can hope to achieve out of that moment. That's really what, what, we, what we try to do. Well said. Well I didn't said. know which way you were going to go with that question, but I was—I feel like you went in a truly profound direction. Oh. I, I think that was, yeah, that was excellent. Um, that sums up our questions for you. Thank you for coming in. Oh. I know this is a, a giant topic and it's hard to kind of whittle it down or, you know, condense it down. Yeah. But, um, but we appreciate you giving us some insight and hanging out with us. I, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you so Absolutely. much. All right, we'll get into it. Um, now I'd like to introduce you to my good friend, Faye. Uh, he's a CEO of Faye Solutions, uh, also is a talk show host and founder of the Wichita Life Show. So let's say welcome to Fayola, you guys. Thanks for being here. Ooh, come on. I appreciate it. <laughs> Jessica, yeah. Bobby, I appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. you guys. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So, uh, Faye, we were talking about traditional media and social media in today's episode. Mm -hmm. But before we get into all of that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What is your, your background professionally, educationally? Let's get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, so that's a, that's a long story, but I'll make it as quick as possible here. So uh, my name is Fayola Oyatayo. As you guys know, that's not American. You know any other Fayolas here in America? I, I, I do not. No, it's Nigerian. My parents were born and raised in Nigeria. They came to the States. They had me in Las Vegas, Nevada hmm. with my two other siblings. So the three of us born in Vegas, they were moved to Texas from middle school, high school, really became involved in sports, then moved to Dallas, and then moved to Kansas. I wow. played basketball at a small school called Sterling College in Kansas. From there, majored in economics and finance and political science. Mm. Got really, really involved with, um, with politics, spent a couple summers in DC, did a lot of leadership things in college, and then I also majored in economics and finance, so I ended up graduating and staying in Kansas. I just got a job doing um, insurance sales and financial advising, did it for two years. From there, I loved it, but I loved the aspect of kind of personal branding and marketing and public speaking and and, and fashion and, and, and social media. So I was like, you know what, for a 100% commission job like I was doing there, you probably have to be 110% committed to it. And I was starting to put my commitments to other things besides that in insurance industry. So I said, you know what, man, I want to be able to have more of a steady job like a banking type job so I can put my efforts into what I really am passionate about, which is kind of that media and marketing, things like that. So went to banking for a year, loved it. Unfortunately, man, right when I got let go, it was March 17th, 2020, wow. COVID <laughs> happened. It was very, very ugly. So I almost kind of got like forced to go into my passions, which wow. is the media and the marketing and things like that. So in a quick minute, that's kind of my story from Vegas to Texas to Kansas, economics and finance, Started really loving media. COVID happened and got, kind of got pushed right into my career. Wow, that's that is fascinating. So yeah. Not what I would have guessed. Yeah, like that's, that's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm really curious to, to get more into that. Wow. So it sounds like then my next question was to ask you about Face Solutions. So it sounds like Face Solutions was born out of COVID and needing to find something new. Can you tell us about your company? It and was, yeah, thank where it you. Came from? So essentially, Face Solutions, it's 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 real. It's a weird company. A lot of people, <laughs> they, it has kind of, yeah, it's a weird company. A lot of people think it's a photography business or a production company or a um, an event business. But really, what it is, it's I'm just selling myself. Hmm. I know it's really weird to say, but I'm using my personality my connections and my expertise in media. And all I'm doing, I'm going to companies, I'm literally saying, hey, what do you need? 
What do you need, right? So let's just say you have t-shirts, Bobby, and you're just like, Faye, I have t-shirts, but I need help on branding my t-shirts. Oop, my bad, set to the <laughs> table good. here. I need help on branding my t-shirts. Then I tell you, hey, you can go this route with it. If you ask me, hey, I want an event for my t-shirts, then I can kind of help use my connections to get people to help to have an event with them. If you're like, man, Fayola, I know you have some people to help with the social media. Can you maybe use your team to help me get a cool social media going for my t-shirts? And what the, the basic, the kind of the, 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 the premise of the whole company is it's not really what I can do for you it's not really what you can do for me it's what I can do for you right so I use my expertise my personality my connection to help people basically bring their marketing vision to life and grow their brand so it's a really weird concept but once you really get into it of what I do the brands I'm connected with and how I've impacted them a lot of people have been able to see value from it so that's a little bit of everything consulting media production a little bit of everything that's so cool yeah. so so I don't know that you will have an I don't know that you have an average day, <laughs> but like let's say like what you know, when you get up in the morning to when you go home, what types of things do you fill your time with? Okay. I mean besides being on podcasts, obviously. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's a phenomenal question. So um I'll just tell you what the month of May looks like for me. Perfect. Can I do that? Perfect. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. So I have a talk show. Yes. Um, and the talk show highlights individuals in Wichita. Yeah. It's kind of like a Fallon, but Oprah-esque. It's lifestyle, a little mm -hmm. bit of Corden. I like that a lot. But also on top of that, I host a lot of events on the mic. So uh -huh. there's sometimes where like there's either weddings or there's fundraisers. Then they'll ask me, Faye, can you come and host an event? So I have three talk show episodes this month. Um, there's two events that's happening this month across the city of Wichita. People are opening their businesses and they want like ribbon cuttings and I'm out there hosting on the mic. Also too, there's a lot of brands that I'm partnered with. Um, Orange Theory being one of them, River Vista Apartments being another, that I help them with their marketing. So I have two girls under me that help run social media accounts for them. So I'm in consistent meetings with these brands and I'm telling them like, what's the vision for this month of May? Do, what, do you, what events do you guys have? How can we provide solutions for you guys social media so it's a couple talk shows it's a couple of events um, um that i'm hosting on the mic i have the clients that i'm running their social media so i have to make sure i'm in tune with their months so there's so many different things um in the month of um at the last week of may i am moving to a different apartment it's just one apartment above me <laughs> and um but it's because one of my clients is river vista apartments so we're moving and we're making sure that we kind of set the apartment up to where i can do a lot of content for them and kind of set up, set up an office in that apartment complex so wow. uh, the month of may is going to be a hectic one i'm sure i'm missing some other things as well but um that's basically it's basically we're partnered with an interior designer that's going to come in and kind of help um kind of almost like an hgtv type setup Fun. for the apartment but that's going to be a whole production like that's going to be a whole like show so i have to make sure that i'm just like moving at the certain time make sure she can come but then make sure that the camera crew can come it's just the, the furniture the, 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 the shortage of furniture so it's just like it's just a whole <laughs> mess right now so the, the long the long the short answer to the the, the short answer to your question jessica is that I find myself getting really, really stressed and really, really anxious, probably more than the typical 25-year-old should, <laughs> honestly. And, 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 and it really is, um, it, it, it's, it's been a battle for me the past two or three months because this is what I said. Over the past two or three months, I've probably seen the most success I've ever had. Yeah. 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 But over the last two or three months, I have had the most probably stress and anxiety and yeah. have slept the least I ever yes. have. Yeah. And that's something to where um, yeah, I'm just trying to find a healthy balance right now. Which and I can be vulnerable hard. and I'm, I'm not doing the best at it. It's, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. Um, 
And one of the things that I, I have learned to do, because I feel like, and, and Jessica probably attest, this to, attest to this from knowing me from afar, um, and then knowing me personally, my career in the last five years has been crazy for me. Like yeah. what I'm doing yeah. now is never anything that I planned. Every, literally every year, I'm just, I can't pinpoint where I'm gonna be the following year. Yeah. And I think the best thing to do, I mean, and I think you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out, um, is to really hone in on your purpose, your passion. And once you dial into that and figure out how to allocate your time and be able to, <laughs> right, that's the key, and always make time for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important thing mm -hmm. is making sure that you have time to just be fake, mm -hmm. whatever that looks like, like yeah. hanging out on the couch, you know, going to dinner, hanging yeah. out with friends, and always having those moments just be you. Yeah. Um, and don't be afraid to delegate work. I yeah. think you're getting to that point now. I am now. Don't yeah. be afraid to delegate yeah. work. People who are, who are competent and able to do things, let them do it hmm. and just be done. I love yeah. that. Um, yeah. But anyways, that's yeah. not what we're here for. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, that's good. That's yeah, good. I, does, I actually have a follow-up. Can I go off script? Yeah, absolutely. Do you care? Yeah, okay. No. I, should, I should ask you. Can I go off script? Yes, ma'am. Yes, you can. <laughs> um, so uh, first of all, one thing that I was thinking of with what Bobby was telling you just then, it's I find it interesting because when you're talking about your life, you're obviously so passionate about it. You know, yeah. and like you, yeah. you know, you're doing something something that you love. And I have noticed for myself when I'm like right now, I'm dream career faculty, you know, teaching here and everything, mm. but it's easy to, the work-life balance is harder when you love your job because it doesn't always feel like that. Yeah. Right. Mm, and so, so I feel true. like, like your, I see that awesome. in you. Like your, your hobbies become your, yeah. Yeah. your job. Yeah. And so no, they're no longer hobbies. So now you're like, well, I don't know what to do with my time. Cause every thing I like becomes part of my job. Yeah. Right. And, and I have found that with myself. Like I don't have a hobby. I've been trying to figure out my hobby for the last three years. Yeah. Cause if I like it, I'm like, Oh, how am I going to make money off of this? Yeah, now then it becomes part of, a yeah, job yeah like literally yeah. um uh -huh. and so that, that's just it, it's just really interesting um but even going back to this whole the reoccurring theme of branding and that's pretty much what you do yeah. and for for some i mean i think of most companies most organizations would say branding is pretty much everything everything mm -hmm. so especially if you, now yeah. if you had to define your brand in three words, Ooh, three what, would, words. what would that be mm, that's such a great question <laughs> define my brand in three words what would that be um okay um, can the word um, charisma, charismatic, yeah, can that be one of them? Absolutely. So yeah. I definitely think like my brand has a lot of just charisma to it. Yeah. That's one word. Um, I think the second word will be, um, oh, I like this word a lot. <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, it's empowering. Mm. A lot of people around me always, my, my goal, I'm not saying that I do this every time, but I hope that my goal is after they leave, they feel empowered. Mm. Um, my first assistant, it's, it's it's actually a really good story. Can I tell the story real quick? Right, my first sure. assistant yeah. only had her for a month and a half. And right when we started, she worked for an organization and she's still in this organization, but the organization basically, it's they, 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 if you go in as one thing, they only see you as one thing. So right. if you go oh, as, an, you. if you go in as an engineer, yeah. they won't, they won't be open to you being a graphic designer, yeah. even though you can be the best graphic designer in that country, in, the, in that company. So she went and that's one thing. And she was like, Fayola, I really want to do this with you. I, I, I thank you for taking a risk on me. Like, this is amazing. She was an accountant. I can say that she was an accountant. And she went and that's an accountant. And she said, Faye, I'm going to tell you right now, I did apply for a job. But honestly, because I'm with this company, I probably am not going to get it. We'll probably have like a five or ten percent chance and this was about week one when we started her me and her she her being my assistant and i was like all right 
why do you think it's only 10% chance? She said, because, you know, I'm an accountant. They don't see me as somebody that can run marketing for the company. And I was like, hey, listen, I'm a guy of faith. I'm a guy of speaking things into existence. You don't look me in the eye right now and tell me that you can't get that job. I said, take that 5% chance now and start speaking that 50%, 60%. And I was like, we're about to go to work these next two or three months and we're about to deliver, right? And if you have to end up getting this job and moving, then so be it. Now, this is where I really messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I might have empowered her too much. <laughs> because, because and it's all glory be to God, she did end up getting the job. That's awesome. And she's moving to Atlanta now, Atlanta, mm -hmm. Georgia. But um, it put me in a little bit of a of a um, of a loss because I didn't have her but one worry that I really would um, make sure that people around me feel is that is that they feel empowered whenever they're around me and the last one man I want people to feel um, uh, okay you guys might help me with the word it's basically um, when they are with me they start to feel like they can do something they never have ever thought that they can do before. Mm. What's mm -hmm. a word for that? Mm. The mm, first word that came to my head was like courageous or, or something, but I don't know if that's quite limitless. <laughs> I don't know. I like the word limitless. I'm serious. I like the word limitless. The reason why is because yes. I don't think that there should be limits to our dreams. I don't think that there should be limits to anything that we do. So whenever somebody hears Face Solutions, I want people to think like, hey, man, that straight up, that is an atmosphere of charisma. Every time I'm there, there is empowerment and there is this attitude of just limitless that we can continue to grow and grow and grow. You guys don't know, but I'm going to be real. Nobody really has heard this publicly. I just kind of started. Uh oh, I just kind of started Face Solutions about in, no in November. Mm -hmm. November, December, yeah. Yeah. and now I'm up to eight or nine clients. Wow! That's and great. when and and that's not even a boasting. That's not a pride thing. That's a straight up thing of saying like, listen, I had an uh, uh, a path of, of of insurance, of not making money, of banking, getting let go during a pandemic, not having much money, not being able to be you know the best boyfriend for my from for, for for my girlfriend, not being able to be a good firstborn son, and still almost kind of like ask my mom for money sometimes, and now to the point where less than a year, you know things turn around like that, and now you're in a position of being a guy that can in a way be kind of the face of social media in, in, in a community like Wichita. Yeah. And that's something to where you cannot tell me that 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 that, that there are limits to your dreams. Yeah. The amount of times that I have people here in the city of Wichita that said, Fayola, what are you doing? A talk, <laughs> a talk show? Why? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. Even some close friends and family were like, Faye, ah, talk show, man. Why? But now look, those same exact people, and I'm happy for them, are starting their own talk shows. Yeah. As those same exact people, I'm happy for them as well, are doing essentially what I'm doing now. So, again, I am just somebody that when they hear Face Solutions, they think charisma, they think empowerment, and they think limitless. Those are the three words. I love it. That's I'll be, teamwork. I'll be billing you for the yeah. <laughs> and, and I want to invite to this talk show. I mean, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. <laughs> totally. Um, so we, we've, we hear horror stories about social media all the time, this whole notion of cancel culture and how it can really damage or brand if it's not done properly hmm. um, but we can also use social media to help us and you have been a great example of that hmm. so how would you say social media has positively impacted your career <sighs> another great question so I I think social media is the reason why my career is my career honestly it's positive impact in my career because you 
can balance social media by by setting positivity into the world, but then you can also make sure that you do not, a pastor said it this way, comparison isn't the issue. It's the byproduct of comparison. Mm. I can look at Bobby and say, man, Bobby's about to get his doctorate. He's just he got his doctorate. already has a doctorate. Congratulations, <laughs> As of brother. Like a week ago. There we go. I, I saw that. Congratulations. <laughs> Bobby has his doctorate. He's starting this podcast, WSU. I mean, just getting awards. He's a coach at he's a coach at Orange Theory, just killing it. I'm comparing right now as I'm saying the it's the byproduct of it. I can do one or two things. Mm-hmm. I can look at you and be like, man, I'm not like that though. Like I'm just like I'm, I'm I'm in the back. I, I I'm trying to be like him, and I get frustrated. I get internally right. internally mad. But I can have the other byproduct though, and I can be like, Hey, Bobby, man, I gotta get lunch with you, bro. Whatever <laughs> you're doing, right. I, I really want to be around people like that. Absolutely. So social media has trained my mind to compare. I want to be able to compare. I love people doing things that are better than me or that are doing the same things same things I'm doing. I am a networker to the T. I don't call it networker. I'm a connector. I love to connect. So I love social media because I can see somebody in Atlanta, somebody in Florida, somebody in D.C. doing what I'm doing. I'm going to connect with them. I'm going to compare. But one thing I'm not going to do, man, I'm not going to make myself feel less worthy. Mm. I'm not going to make myself feel less worthy. So social media has done so much for me because I trained my mind to say, hey, it's good to compare. But what it's not good to do, it's it's not good to make yourself feel less worthy when you compare. Mm. That's the way I think of social media. Love it. That's great. I, you know, I, I've been fascinated that with all of our guests so far today, there's been a very positive reaction about social media and the influence. And I'm, I'm hearing that from you. And certainly uh, when Grant was on earlier, he was uh, he was our reporter from KWCH and he was talking about um, how how social media has made it so much easier for him to find human interest stories and to find people. Mm. And, and somehow in my brain, I expected, I guess because everyone that you hear talk about social media, I feel like talks about, oh, it's got the worst of the worst in the comment sections and the trolls and the this and that. And I feel like I don't hear about it talked about in a positive light as much anymore. And to see that you mm. guys have leveraged it in a mm. positive, healthy way is kind of inspiring. You think social media is negative? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, here's what I think. Here's what mm. I think. Social media brings out the best and the worst of us and mm. it, in all of us. Mm. And so but social media has... Yeah, a, what do you think? Yeah. But I think got? part of what you were saying ties directly to what he was saying because that, that best and worst version of yourself, that best can come from how you choose to and engage with it, yes. right? Exactly. And that worst is also comes from how you choose to engage with it. If yeah. you're an individual who maybe has self-esteem issues or there's a level of insecurity and you find yourself going to people's pages like, I don't have that, you know, because a lot of times we present what we want people to see, yeah. right. right? So when you look reel. to, you know, celebrities or whoever however and you say i don't have that okay that's fine that you don't have that but you have what you have mm-hmm. right and so i think once again it's how you engage with it it's when how you engage with when, yeah. you're, when you're at a place where you can maturely in in yeah emotionally engaged with social media in the most positive way. Like you don't care how many likes you get. Like, so mm. if you post a picture of your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, and you're not getting people who are liking the picture, that shouldn't impact your day, Thank right? You. <laughs> that shouldn't impact what you Thank do, you. right? But um, for so many, it but does. But for so many, yeah. it does. And so once again, um, social media brings out the best and worst. But if you're secure in who you are as an individual, mm-hmm. it's an accessory. So mm. perhaps I should rephrase. It's an ex- Whoa, that was good. That was it's good, an accessory. Right? 
it is an accessory. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Well, I was thinking, I, I suppose I should rephrase now and say that social media brings about the opportunity mm. for the best and the worst of us. Yeah. You know, and you know what I say? I love that, Jessica. You know what I say about social media? I say every piece of content that I post is an audition clip. Mm. It's an audition clip. Every piece of content I post in a, is an audition clip. And because of that, I pray before I press post now. Mm. I start saying, God, I'm going to press share. I don't know who's going to see it. It could be Jay-Z. It could be Diddy. It could be Tyler Perry. <laughs> it could be Kirk Franklin. It can be Bobby. I don't know who's going to see it. But every post, uh, every time I press share, I'm going to pray over it now. And this is the reason why you said something. You said social media is an accessory. Mm -hmm. Social media is a, a, a reason why my business is where it's at now. Right. It is a must for me to post. I have another saying that I say is that it's activity brings business. Mm. There was a situation recently in my family that people were kind of asking like, Faye, you know, you're posting a lot. You're showing a lot of people behind the scenes. Do you really want to? You can have a lot of naysayers. You can have a lot of people that are hating or whatever. I say mom or dad or whoever it's going to be. That one post that I make of maybe a behind the scenes or, my, or the day in life of or my schedule. Yeah, it can probably have four or five people commenting and saying like, that's a little too much, bro. That's a little too too personal. Are you are you being a little showboaty? But guess what? There's also five or six people on the other side that are saying, "Hey Faye, let's get a drink." Right. Next mm -hmm. week. Yeah. Hey Faye, come be on this podcast. <laughs> hey man, you're killing it, man. Let me uh, fly you out to Fort Worth. I love some consulting. So what are you gonna do? Not post because of the four or five people? Right. Or are right. you gonna post because you have the opportunity to go to different around the country and help consult people? Yeah. That's my thing. So social media is an accessory, and I say it's a must for me to post. And every time I post, it's an audition clip. You know, so that's the way I that's the way I look at social media. So that let let's go down this rabbit hole a little bit. Let's let's continue this. So I'm curious, you're you have said since the, the beginning of the interview that your personality is your brand. You are the brand, yeah, right? Everything yeah. about your company is you. Yeah. So as a part of that, you're selling your brand, you're selling your own personality. How do you separate that and mm. and I, what, I feel like what I'm hearing you say is that it's super important to use social media, but not to find your value from it. So, mm. so how do you do that? How, I mean, when you're selling yourself, how do you then not internalize the feedback that you're getting? Is that, is that what's a weird way to phrase that question? But I'm curious because I feel like I'd be very bad at it, which is why I'm asking. <laughs> like, I would be very bad at it. Mm. So rephrase the question again. When I'm selling myself. Yeah, so like if your brand is you yeah. and you put yourself out on social media mm -hmm. and all of this, mm -hmm. then how do you turn back into, at the end of the day, how do you turn back into, you know, boyfriend Faye, son mm -hmm. Faye, whatever? Mm -hmm. And how do you not take to heart or not find value in the success or not success mm -hmm. of your, or unsuccess, dissuccess, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, 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 of yeah. your business? Yeah, so that's a great question. Wow, phenomenal question. So the one thing I do is when I post stories or post, um, post on Instagram, I don't... I, I I don't look at the comments or I don't look at oh. the yeah so my, my okay. girl my girlfriend will always uh she'll always laugh at me because I um actually it's kind of weird I don't love the app of like Instagram or Facebook yeah like, like I don't love it but I know the importance of posting so I'll post and I'll get off <laughs> or one thing that I'll do is I'll take my phone and I'm, I'm a drummer I'm a fidgeter right uh, uh -huh. they, they told me on the podcast not to fidget on the table it was, it was frustrating for me because I'm always a fidgeter <laughs> but um, I'm a fidgeter so one thing I always do when I'm talking to my girlfriend when we're, when we're at dinner when we're just grabbing drinks or whatever I will literally just keep tapping through mm -hmm. my phone just tap through stories and she'll be like what are you doing you haven't watched 50 of those stories. I was like, it's just a, it's just a tapping thing for me. Yeah. So I don't ever really like go on social media much at all. So that's a great question. You go, what 
do you like how, how do you balance it um um the social thing for me jessica is just almost like war it's like it's like a it's like a checklist for me it's a tool that it's, you it's, use it's yeah a, it's a tool i love that it's a it's a checklist for me and my girlfriend will know this too it's like i have to dedicate about an hour a day to only post my stories yeah so yesterday we had went on a grand trip we went to dallas with everything i didn't post one thing all day because i just put took videos save them all and i'll take an hour today and i'll put them all on an instagram story i'll post it all and i'll get off of instagram okay and he's being so honest about that because yeah. i had funny thing is i had i had dm'd him about coming on the podcast and he never responded and i was like that's weird i was like the dude is always mm. on social media mm. and so i saw his girlfriend the next she was like oh no he she's like let me she was like call him or text so him. another <laughs> another thing that awesome. another thing that i can probably say publicly i don't know what the perception of me will be but i'm i'm the more vulnerable I've been getting recently, I feel like it's just the more people are connecting with me and it just it, it's helped me out in the long run anyways. But I probably um, have over a hundred different direct messages in my inbox and Instagram. And the only reason why I don't open them is because I have a tendency to get overwhelmed quickly mm. for different mm -hmm. opportunities and yeah. things like that. And I want to stay focused at what my, mm. at what, at what my goal is. And I don't want to get involved in the, in the I social media. I so, that. I mean, there's even people with, with blue checks, like verified accounts. And it's just, I, I unfortunately not, nothing, nothing against them, but I just have not replied to anybody probably in the past three or four, five months. Now I just post and I truly get off. I post and I get off. I'm thinking about maybe using my assistant to go through some of those and yeah. just see, because you never know the right, options exactly. that can lie within them, you know? <laughs> but to be honest with you, I truly use it as a tool. So when I post stories, it's post and it's get off. It, I know if you don't forget, I'm human. I'll probably scroll, see, sure. right, whatever. But it's really just like, I don't want to get indulged. And I know the weaknesses. I know the danger of it, but I know the beauty of it as well. So that's my balance. One of the things that Jess had talked about is this whole notion of, you know, separating the two and how you are your brand. And I always say that we all are our own brands, right? Sure. We get to define what that looks like. But I think ultimately having control of your brand. Mm -hmm. I think becoming a brand is challenging because sometimes you have to let someone define what your brand is for you because sometimes you don't know what it okay. is. Right. But when you, when you figure it out and when you're able to hone in on that, that is when you take full control. So for me, you know, with the, the various things that I do, I always say, okay, well, when I when I when I'm coaching, it's still Bobby. Like this is me a hundred percent. But once again, you need to deliver a product. So mm -hmm. there's a level of expectation. When I'm a professor, mm -hmm. I need to be the best professor I can be and be reliable, right? So we we engage with brands when they're reliable, when we know the product is going to be consistent. So we as individuals, whenever we're selling ourselves, we need to be consistent, mm. right? right? And so kind of thinking about that and and how do you process that information? That's always really that's so good. You know? Wow. Yeah. Well, it sounds yeah. to me like you have, like you know yourself and you've created some really like healthy boundaries for yourself that you've figured out, this is what gets me too overwhelmed. This is what is helpful for me. This is what's not. And um, and I'm sure it's taken you a while to get there. It's so, taken so long. Well, so that's what I'm, I'm curious on this whole journey of face solutions, but even before that, what's been maybe one of the biggest challenges or biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome? It's the hurdle of, um, uh, I. I will double think, triple think, quadruple think if like this post is too self-serving for me or if it's really like adding value to others. So for example, like um, there would be many times where I truly would get blessed 
um, and whether that's people will say the universe, I'm saying God, whatever it might be, an opportunity will come my way. And I, because of fear of judgment from others, I would almost like internalize that and never really let the blessing of that opportunity be public because I would be fearful that people would think I'm too egotistical or that, I, or that, that, I'm, that I'm too arrogant. And it's like, I, and in a way, Jessica, I'm still trying to figure out the fine line between it. And what that is, sure. it's, is what I'm doing truly adding value to somebody and like somebody can like congratulate, somebody can learn from the success or is it really just filling up my head? And what, and what mm. and the biggest, the biggest struggle is I overthink that so much and I don't want to hide God's blessings from the public, but I also don't want to be so arrogant and just boast about them either. So that's been the battle of trying to figure out, hey, am I sharing this opportunity publicly or am I keeping it privately? But then also too, when I share opportunities publicly, a lot of times people have come back and said, dude, congratulations. I would love to get coffee and talk about how you can help me out. Mm-hmm. With living so living your life so publicly, that's that's definitely something that you have to face more so than, I mean, everybody balances that a little bit in their world, but I'm sure that that's magnified tenfold with your life being your work and your work being your life. And and can I be so honest on. with you? It's very tough whenever I'm back with high school friends oh, or I'm yeah. even back with family mm-hmm. because they saw me at one point yeah. in my life yeah. and now I'm at a different. And um, I could be talking about an opportunity that I could be getting with a potential NBA player next year. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, there he goes again. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, man, this is me talking about something that, that I, I started from nothing. And I'm not giving the glory to myself. I'm giving it to, to somebody above. You know, like, so it's almost so tough. It's like, how can I be thankful and talk about the blessings, but then but, but then not be judged? I, yeah. I think doing it the way that you do it. And, and what I mean by that is, is, is I identify with you in so many ways and things that you're saying. I think some of it is also culturally, right? Mm. Uh, bringing, I think, some of the things that I come from a Jamaican background. Mm. So um, there, there's certain things that we've been ingrained to, and, and we, we can grow up in semi-critical environments, right? Um, and so we, we become very over aware of everything that we do because mm. we, we were used to that. Mm. You know, you're a great student, but are you the best student? You mm. know, that's a good A, Bobby, was it A plus? You know, we <laughs> grew up sometimes, I'll speak for myself, I've gr- I grew up in that environment, so I have tend, I tend to be very critical of a lot of things that I do. But one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older is that I should never have to dim down my light to make someone else feel brighter, yes. right? And Thank so I you. think sometimes if people know you and they know if they know really know you, and sometimes that's a testament to them because they don't really know you. Yeah. If they know you, they know your heart. Yeah. They know the way which you speak. I mean, I, we don't know you personally, but I would be hard pressed to believe mm-hmm. based off of the conversation I'm having with mm-hmm. you today, mm-hmm. that you would be in a position where you would ever try to make someone feel less than or make someone feel mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. Especially when you said one of your three words was empowering, right? Mm-hmm. right. So if anybody knows you, yeah. that's even a question. Yeah, yeah. If they have to question it, then you need to question them. Yeah, right. Honestly, Bobby's preaching. I mean, honestly. that's just that's that in my head. I mean, that's yeah. kind of how I <laughs> I roll. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes when you grow, people don't grow with you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's okay because sometimes we need to figure out. Okay, well, this was a great period in time. I've learned a lot. No hard feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no hate. There's no malice. But sometimes you you stunt your growth because you're too busy trying to make sure someone else is feeling like they're growing as well. Mm. When in actuality, that's their job to do, not mm. yours, mm. right? Yeah. So I'll tell you this, that's well said. 
and that's very very easy to 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 say it's easy to 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 um to to um to put your feet to action when when <laughs> when, when 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 those are haters yeah because those people oh, really right. really yeah. don't matter and again on the opposite side of that it's easy to post if you know you have a lot of supporters what if though the people that are asking questions who love you are close ones yeah oh, our loved ones yeah yeah that's the hardest yeah mm-hmm. because you know that they want the best for you right mm-hmm. you know their heart is pure of why they're asking you but you know that they also could be operating out of fear or out of worry yes. themselves exactly yeah. yeah yeah and it's not to say that the people who love me and who are questioning me are um thinking that i'm arrogant or whatever i'm not saying that at all but what yeah. i am saying is that I, I only ask this. I say, hey, before you just ask me that question of my heart or my motive, mm-hmm. just take a deep breath on your end first mm-hmm. and just make sure that you yeah. are good yeah. first. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I say that respectfully. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes your success holds up a mirror to that person and then they, they mm-hmm. compare themselves like, oh, man, I'm not there. Ooh. And it's not something that you're doing. You're just being you. But sometimes in those moments, people are like, they, they do that compare, right? The thing that you were yeah. talking about earlier, um, you, you don't compare yourself to say I'm less than. But some people haven't gotten to that point point mm-hmm. yet in their lives. And then they find themselves doing that. And it's like, well, I'm going to, ooh, well, dang, he's 25. Mm-hmm. He, he's been become so successful the last year. Oh, he's getting full of himself. You know, and not necessarily in a negative way, but sometimes what else are they supposed to do with that emotion of, it's a self-preservation I'm not there. Mechanism. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it's interesting. And we all do it, yeah. yeah. It can help, I think, to, to think through it when you're thinking about that it, for that person, it's coming usually from a place of fear, right. a place of fear of change, fear yeah. of you changing, fear of them not right. changing, fear them of, losing you. Know. you. Yeah. It's a lot of those things, and some people don't know how to properly process that emotion, right? Absolutely. Um, I know we got yeah, went down a no, long road. I love hole. it. I'm I sorry. Love it. This is so oh, I have so much to say on that, but you're right. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so, kind of, you know, when we when we're wrapping this up, and I, I want you to. I mean, you probably couldn't have projected this last year of your life, but I'm about to ask you to project the next three to five years. Ultimately, in the next three to five years, in a perfect world, where do you see yourself? Where would you like to be? So in the next three to five years, I'll be uh, anywhere between, what is that, 29 to 31. Can I do math here? Economics and finance major? 26 <laughs> now. Yeah, 29 to 31. All right. So, um, man, I love um, the talk show. I absolutely love it. I would really... Um, be just blessed and just honored if I can continue the talk show at a different at another level, whether it's maybe uh, doing some things in Dallas, doing some things in Kansas City, doing some things in other in other other cities as well. So growing the talk show, getting guests that are your that that, that are now your your NBA players, right? Mm-hmm. Your your CEOs of tech corporations in in, in in San Francisco and places like that. So first, the talk show. Number two, I really would love to. Um, um speak at bigger conferences right kind of travel and do a lot of public speaking Mm -hmm. um and then the 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 dream that i've had that i've kind of kept quiet now but i guess i can say it publicly um i really want to write a book in the next three to five years on the first bit of my journey on the first bit because this has been a journey that has been unprecedented and no i mean it's not even your typical entrepreneur journey either this was a straight up like 
had an idea of a talk show. Then two months later, I told my production team, hey, we can potentially make videos for other companies. And from there, I was like, dude, okay, I'm kind of becoming a consultant now. Let's just, let's just kind of make a business. Yeah. There was really no business model. <laughs> there was no investments. There was no nothing. And, there, and it wasn't like I had a product either. It's one thing if you have like an app or you make a t-shirt <laughs> Or you have like a tattoo cream. I say tattoo cream because that's one of the companies I'm partnering with here soon. I was like, that but was very specific. Yeah, very random. Yeah, but it's, it's a really successful company. They just got $500 million from from Mark Cuban, Shark Tank. Wow. Yeah, big company. Yeah, wow. Mad Rabbit. Tattoo fans anywhere? Yeah. Uh, I have a few. Yeah, yeah, I have eight of them. Oh, I have five. I didn't know okay. you were more than me. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I hide but, them well. <laughs> you know, so um, I would love to be able um, to write that book and talk about my my journey and um, my entrepreneur journey. Honestly, I would love to, yeah. That's why I would see myself three to five years. Love that's it. amazing. Yeah. Well, I just really want to say thank you so much for coming yes. and just mm -hmm. having such candid, transparent conversation with us. And uh, this is what Jessica and I uh, love to, to be able to do is to be able to walk away feeling like we've learned something. And I mm -hmm. can definitely say I walk away today f feeling mm -hmm. like I was thought provoked and I learned something. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely thank you to Faye and all of our other guests, Sean, Grant, uh, Dr. Drummond for coming through as well. Mm -hmm. um, Faye, really quickly, if there's anything that you want to plug as far as where can people find you? Yeah. So. Um, um, Instagram is at Fayola.11. The other business Instagram is at Faye Solutions. And if you have a business or a product or your personal brand that you just kind of want help on growing, um, like I said, it's anything. If you want some videos, if you want us to help with your social media, if you want one-on-one -on -one consulting, if you have some events that you want to do, that's what Faith Solutions does. We use my personality, expertise, and my connections to be able to bring vision and um, bring your brand to life. So. That's what it is. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Come on. Well, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm leaving feeling charismatic <laughs> Come on. empowered. Come on. And limitless. limitless. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you also to all of our um, guests that were here and also to everyone listening. Bobby and I have loved getting to know so many different people um, and different perspectives through this podcast. And we're just honored to have you all along for the ride. So we hope that this show has expanded your own worldview and um, allows you to take on some honest and authentic conversations in your own spaces as well. We really appreciate your support. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. So leave a comment, let us know what's on your mind. And thank you for tuning in and join us next time on Let's, Let's Talk, Talk About, about it. it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>